It's the same with our relationship with God. We have to know him in order to trust him. So when you see Christians who are in a panic and are struggling to trust God, that directly reflects what they know about God. Mm -hmm. And that shows us this gap in the church. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there. Thank you for listening to the Compared to Who podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and this is a crazy world we're living in today, uh, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to still be able to interview folks that I think have an encouraging word for us in this uncertain time. And today, my guest has just that. She's a Christian teacher. She teaches women how to know what they believe and to live it boldly. She's a blogger, she's a podcast host, and she's a speaker, and her writing focuses on discerning truth and a culture of confusion and letting that truth draw us nearer to God. Her name is Felicia Masonheimer. She lives in Northern Michigan, where she is currently quarantined. She told me her husband's not there, but her children are, I know. So Felicia, thank you for being on the Compared to podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. So you have a brand new book out and I am in love with the title of it because I've written literally several blog posts with the same title, the stop calling me beautiful words, and they've never gotten published. <laughs> so they're like all in my drafts because I couldn't, I just couldn't go there like completely, but you did. So I appreciate that. But your new book is awesome. I fortunately got it through Amazon before they <laughs> made it essentials only. So tell me a a little bit about yourself and about this new book. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got it before Amazon shut everything down. <laughs> I hope you got toilet paper too while you did. <laughs> I, I, I did, although they canceled my paper towel orders. So we're in a bit of a crisis there. Oh no, <laughs> no backup options. <laughs> but I wrote Stop Calling Me Beautiful after going through so many different Christian books and events as somebody who grew up in Christian culture. So I, I've been immersed in it for a very long time in a variety of different denominations and went to school, um, a Christian college, got a religion degree. And even, even in the religion department, the, the sub department for women, the women's ministry department, I would hear from students that they weren't getting the same kind of robust teaching and theology that the men were getting. And it was almost as if women were getting these watered down messages and 
not necessarily always a partial gospel, at least not in our academic department, but for sure in some of these Christian lifestyle books I was reading in these conferences I was attending, we were getting material that was not the whole truth. It talked a lot about you're a beautiful daughter of God, you have an identity in Christ, but it didn't really say where the identity came from, how Mm. Jesus gave that to us, what being beautiful even does. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm a beautiful daughter of God, what does that actually do for me? Like other than make me feel good for a few minutes, like Mm -hmm. how does that change how I live? And so it started as a blog post that I did publish and (laughs) yes, I got some backlash. I don't blame you at all for not wanting to publish those, but eventually was able to flush it out in the form of this book where we talk about what does it mean actually to be a beautiful daughter of God? How does it change how you live? And let's actually stop calling people beautiful and let's go deeper than that. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and and what I saw was the same thing. I mean, my story is similar to yours. I grew up in Christendom and I went to Christian high school. I went to Christian college. I went to Christian graduate school and I noticed similar things in that there was such a focus. Well, it's really self-focus is what it is. It was like the women almost needed this like reassurance (laughs) that we were pretty enough. And then you could get to the rest of the story or something like that. And it's idolatry, right? But I I noticed the same thing. So I love what you've done through this book. And I I got through it really quickly. So I probably need to go back and, and digest a little more. But your message is really meaty. And I think that, that that's really important in this day and age, like, <laughs> like you've noticed, where there's a lot of fluff out there in terms of what's available for women. What do you want someone who reads your book to walk away with? What, what's the goal? My goal would be that a woman who's reading this finds a brand new or renewed desire to go deeper with the Lord. Because the issue really is that we have a lot of women living on the surface of their faith because they've never been taught differently. They have been given this secondhand knowledge via books or Bible studies, but they are terrified to actually open the Bible for themselves or they get bored super easily because they were never given the tools to actually approach God. It's funny because my husband actually mentioned something interesting. If you look at church history, A lot of Protestant Christians, so non-Catholic Christians, will look back at the Reformation when our church fathers broke from the Catholic Church and say, look how important it was for the common man to have the Bible for himself. That was so important, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now here we are again, and we've just created the same exact problem that our forefathers fought to remove. Mm. We've created a second-hand faith. We've, we're giving women, specifically women, this material that we've taken the Bible and we've, you know, translated it, made it easier for them. And then that's all that they consume. And I'm not against devotionals or Bible studies. They serve a great purpose, but the goal should be that that Bible study inspires them to independent study, gives them the ability to fish instead of just handing them the fish as the old adage goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really good. I was um, meeting with my discipleship group the other day and kind of, I'm embarrassed to call them out, but (laughs) I was like, hey, 
ladies, you got to be reading your Bible every day because it's so easy to say, well, I read this devotional or I have this really great book that's leading me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to do the hard work of digging into scripture. And I mean, I know that I've had people go through my book and I've worked with them as they've gone through my book. I'm like, listen, I don't want you to read my book unless you've read your Bible every day. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be your source of encouragement and hope because I am just a mortal, fallible human being who some of my opinions may not be right. So, so rely on God's word and, you know, use these other resources after that. So I think, I think that's really important. Well, I do want to get into any stories of comparison or body image struggle that you may have had, because that's what we talk about here on this podcast. But I think I would be remiss not to talk about the current situation we're in. Okay. Like it's been about 17 days of, of people. Well, we were talking before we started, people are still going places because that's what Texans do and <laughs> until they're forced yeah. to. Um, but, but I've been inside and the topic on everyone's mind is obviously how this world is changing so quickly because of this coronavirus pandemic. And so my question for you, Felicia, is there's a lot of people stuck at home. We might be at home for the next few months. We don't even know at this point. Mm-hmm. What kind of hope and encouragement can they find in your book if after they've read their Bible, of course, <laughs> they, uh, yes. they, they download a copy on Kindle? What kind of hope and, hope and wisdom would you be able to share with them? body image been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free. My friend, go to comparetohu.me, take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparetohu.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. A lot of the fear and anxiety that Christians are experiencing in today's world has to do with what they know about God. And if you don't know God in a deep way, if you don't know what he said about himself, how he's interacted with man in the past, you have no basis for what to trust. Right. So we don't just trust people blindly. You have to know them first. You have to know, okay, I know this about them. I know how they've acted before. I know their character. And that's what you trust. You know, if you're going to marry somebody, you don't just go, oh, I just met you. That sounds great. You want to know, is this someone I can trust? It's the same with our relationship with God. We have to know him in order to trust him. So when you see Christians who are in a panic and are struggling to trust God, that directly reflects what they know about God. Mm -hmm. And that shows us this gap in the church where we have many people who don't know where in the Bible to look to know who God is, how he acts, how faithful he's been in the past. Mm -hmm. They have only been reading these these easier devotional books that are Mm -hmm. topical and probably haven't addressed the character of God because it wasn't relevant to the topic. But if you're daily in the word of God, 
you're going to run across these themes. You're going to see what his character is. You're going to see how he interacted with our forefathers. And you'll be able to say, okay, that's who he was and it's still who he is. So that's what I can trust today. That's why I don't have to be afraid. Psalm 75 says, when the world is in complete chaos, God is the one who steadies its pillars. I know that because I read it two days ago because I spend time in the word every day. I, I never knew that verse before two days ago. And there it was right when I needed it. So the more we expose ourselves to the word, the more we know who God is. And, and that's what a lot of what Stop Calling Me Beautiful talks about is we have to go deeper and actually open the word and know God for who he is. And that will change our daily lives. That's really good. And right on. I mean, we can't have, I think this might even be a reference from your book. It was like the Instagram meme kind of faith, you know, just those little mm-hmm. like snack food scriptures. I don't know that that's a term, but, but, but that's what it, I Well, you them. just coined it. It's a <laughs> yeah. term now. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's like these little, like these little morsels of, oh, that's really good, but it's not enough. You need your own like meals every day. Those little snacks, they're fine. They're good. They're maybe a little boost for your afternoon when you see that verse pop up on Instagram or that pretty, you know, picture verse come up on Facebook or whatever. Like that's all helpful. That's all good. But, but you've got to get your meals first. (laughs) I love that. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Now, I know that you haven't always, haven't always been so strong in your faith. So what do you think? Well, I've read your book, so (laughs) I know the answer here, but can you share with us a little bit about how you started to kind of make that shift to a deeper faith? A lot of it was really looking at the fruit that was in my life. So Mm -hmm. why am I struggling so much with anger or impatience or discontent? And, And then realizing Okay, logically, what scripture says, if I'm like following this out, scripture says, you know, Jesus said, I'm enough for you. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the bread, I'm the door. You know, all of all of the things you need for guidance, for sustaining power, etc. So if he said this, and I believe that Jesus' word is true, where's the disconnect between what he said and my actual life. That was the question that I had to finally address with myself. And I think that everybody's on, you know, we're all on a faith journey. We're all growing and changing. And so this just happened 
younger for me because I was in college and, and I have my own testimony of struggling with sexual sin. So that was a part of it too. But I asked these questions fairly young and it forced me to actually go to the word and study it for myself instead of just, you know, believing what my parents said or reading another devotional or a Bible study. I would do the devotionals and the Bible studies, but I tried to start in the word first. And that is what really started to help me see the big picture of, oh, oh my goodness, God has always been trustworthy and he wants me to walk with him and he rewards that. And that transformed my life. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so how do you answer this question that I get a lot? But reading the Bible is so hard. <laughs> how do I how do I do it and make it more interesting? Or I'm trying to think of the other ways I've heard it. It's like, ah, oh, I just don't understand it. I mean, what's your quick response to that? Well, first I'd say, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course you don't understand it. it. This is 2020. It was written in another language in an ancient culture. So it's like reading the Iliad only much more <laughs> important. You know, uh-huh. like if, if your school teacher is telling you, we're going to study the Iliad and the Odyssey, you know, it's going to be hard. It's not all going to make sense. And what do you have to do? You have to look at the culture, right? Study the culture. You have to do work. Bible yeah. study is work. to understand the most important text that's ever been in your life. So if you come to it knowing this is going to be difficult, this isn't going to be like just sitting down and reading a devotional because it's older than that. Mm -hmm. And the work is going to be worth it because this is the inspired word of God and he shows up. But there are a lot of great helps as well, commentaries and apps that can help you to understand more about what's going on, following cross-references. I always recommend the book Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin to mm-hmm. learn how to study the Bible um, yeah. and give somebody a start. And then I also say, if you're like, it's hard, I, I get bored, I can't pay attention, write out your prayers because mm-hmm. you don't want to fall asleep while you're praying <laughs> and write notes as you're reading. Yeah. So write questions. What does this mean? Why does this word get repeated? Look for themes, circle words that you see repeatedly or characters that are repeated and concentrate on a book like John. If it's your first time, you know, stick to a gospel or something that's a little simpler as you start out. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, when my friend and I have been running these groups to kind of help women refocus their lives in 2020. And this has been one of our major themes is we're willing to put in the work to study our next diet, right? Like which macros are good or, you know, all those things. You're willing to put in the work to figure out what exercises are best for your abs and put in the Mm -hmm. time to like go to CrossFit or we have to start approaching our spiritual health with the same kind of vigor. We're not just physical beings. We can't just be right. physically healthy. Like you are not healthy if you have a great body, but are not, are not connected with, with the maker of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's good to hear that it's work. And I think some people's initial reaction would be like, oh, I don't need any more work. I've got so much work. Of course, now you've got so much time of quarantine, maybe, or, or maybe you feel like you have right. your hands full with your kids home. I don't know. I, my kids are always home. So to me, this is just Tuesday. Um, but, um, but it's, it's worth putting the work in just like, you know, well, I mean, Timothy tells us about spiritual training or excuse me, physical training is of some bodily good, but it's like your, your spiritual training that's of so much more eternal value and putting the work in will have a benefit if you just are willing to do it. So that's really good. 
Well, Felicia, have you ever struggled with comparison? One hundred percent. Yes. So tell yes. me about it. <laughs> well, I, you know, it can take many forms, but since you talked a lot about body image, I'll concentrate there. Okay. Um. Yeah. It. I think a big part for me, I've never struggled with any kind of food addiction or um, eating disorder, but definitely have fallen into the trap of like good food, bad food. Mm. Oh man, you know, punish myself for eating that donut yesterday. So I'm going to just work out more, you know, and a lot of where that stemmed from was who I followed on Instagram. Um, and people in my office, cause this, you know, happened a lot when I was working in offices, people in my office who were super fit, you know, and could run long distances. I've never been a long distance runner. So that's probably a good example for you mm-hmm. is, um, I have only ever been interested in running three miles and uh-huh. I would do sprint intervals and I prefer to be a sprinter and uh-huh. that's what I like to do. But then I would be, you know, in the gym and there's this coworker of mine who like can run like it's unbelievable, you know? And I'm just like, how can you run so far? I should be doing that. And so then I'd start, you know, researching, you know, oh, I should be running, you know, a half marathon because I have so many friends that are, you know, starting to do half marathons and 10 Ks and I can only do a 5K. And I hated running, hated it. I hated (laughs) anything but sprints, but I would try because I felt like it was what I should be doing. And because I thought that it would get me the body I wanted. I remember one workout program I started and I really, really, really wanted to look like the girl who ran the program because I liked her legs. And I did the program for two years and my legs got enormous because that's how I'm built. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking like, what on earth? Like this, I was supposed to look like you, but look at what I look like now. And two years in, she did this video where she said like, this is how my body has always been, you're going to build muscle differently. And it was all from comparison that I did her program and it was a great program. But like, still, I think that now that I have kids that has really changed that and being in the word, of course, but having kids really forced me to address this area of my life more with the Lord and unfollow all but one person on Mm -hmm. social media who is like an exercise and workout guru because I just can't, I can't see it all, all the time because I start to just get into this really nasty headspace and not honor the Lord with my thoughts about it. Yeah. I think everyone listening could probably relate to that. And I think, I mean, I'm not able to predict the future obviously, but I think we're going to see a shift here really quickly in terms of going from like quarantine rest to like, you know, Hey, let's just enjoy this time with our families to quarantine goals. And so I have a feeling that our feeds are going to be flooded with different at home fitness programs we can do and how it's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening. I've had at least seven different workout programs promoted via influencers that I follow already. And I mean, there's nothing wrong. I know you would agree. There's nothing wrong with like, Oh, good, great workout program for at home. But when everybody's doing it, it seems like everybody's doing it. It's what you should be doing. It's just, it's overwhelming. It's the should be not. I want to, because I enjoy this and I feel Mm -hmm. good when I do it. It's it's the should. Yeah. 
my, well, that's what my next, you might not know this. My next book is called The Burden of Better. It comes out in September <laughs> because it's all those should be's, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's what I think we're going to be facing here in the next couple of months is all the, like, you've got all this time. Why aren't you organizing your closets? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you, you know, cooking gourmet meals with the scraps of food you have left? <laughs> because you're out of food. You know, it's like, it's coming. It's like chopped every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you have like seven random things. What can you do that, that would impress a gourmet judge? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, it's to kind of tie it back to what you said earlier. I think our temptation, especially as women in 2020, is like, oh, yeah, I want to make myself better in that way and in that way. And I'm going to, you know, get fit and we're going to get organized and my kids are going to be rocking the homeschool thing and all the things. But it's like, oh, getting spiritually fit, like, you know, strengthening my faith by getting the word every day. That sounds kind of hard. <laughs> so, right. um, and I was going to say, and there's not as many people I can follow on Instagram to do that, but I stopped myself from saying that because they can follow you <laughs> or they can follow me, <laughs> but, um, but I, I'll throw you out there as, as a good recommendation. If you need someone to follow on Instagram, um, okay. who will strengthen your faith. So I was surprised when I read your book last week, because I kind of thought you might go into this more, but the whole beauty thing. Our focus on physical beauty, you know, is it an obstacle to spiritual growth? What do you think? Well, yeah, that's actually something a lot of people are surprised by. They think the book's about physical beauty, but it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think in the church, we've actually created this aversion to physical beauty. Mm -hmm. And this is something, if you study church history, it's called Gnosticism. It's Mm -hmm. this idea that only the spiritual is good and Mm -hmm all of the physical is bad basically. And so anything that's not spiritual is less important or it's, you know, you're not allowed to want to be pretty or to wear makeup or to take care of your body, you know, to work out or even go tanning, whatever. People will indicate that that's not spiritual or it's even sinful. And we really don't have any evidence in scripture for that. In fact, our bodies are to be honored just alongside our spirits and souls, Christianity is very holistic. So the church's treatment of physical beauty, I think is a reaction to the idolatry of beauty that we see in the world. And obviously we don't want to go to extremes either way. We don't want to worship our appearance. Another example of comparison um, Mm -hmm. would be like, I had to limit Pinterest because I would Mm -hmm. see all these clothes and like hairstyles and makeup and be like, I just want to be a perfect 10 all the time. You know, that's idolatry of beauty. But when you're at rest with the Lord, you're able to be at peace with yourself and say, yeah, I love to wear makeup. I I personally do. I love to wear makeup. I like to do my hair and wear cute stuff. And I do that most days, but affordably and within budget, et cetera. But if that was taken away for some reason, how would I react? Yeah. That reveals whether or not it's an idol. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like there are I definitely see the Gnostic, I guess, remnants in in some strains, but I feel like, and I think you mentioned this in your book, like, I feel like there's a lot more women's ministries out there using the word beautiful in a way that I don't think God means it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, the Bible's, the Bible's very specific to tell us like certain women were beautiful because it matters to their story, right? Mm-hmm. Esther was beautiful for a purpose, right? Like without that beauty, like God, <laughs> God designed her with that physical beauty so that he could use her for that specific purpose to get to get to the king, change the king's heart. She needed that beauty to fulfill like 
the reason she was put on earth. But I feel like I hear, I hear a lot of times, well, I'll go speak and, you know, the, the women will have a craft afterwards that'll be like a mirror with like, you are beautiful <laughs> written on it or something. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, like, goodness. like, yes, yes. Like, you know, there's God's beauty, but then there's this whole meshing, it feels like in Christendom of what God means by beauty and how God is beautiful and how God sees us and God's seeing our heart, like Samuel says. And, and then this whole, the physical beauty idol, I think it's kind of gotten confused in a lot of yeah. our churches. And so that's really where I thought you were going when I saw your title. And then I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, <laughs> it was a great book <laughs> that I didn't, I didn't see, yeah. uh, see that there. Yeah, more, I mean, obviously that's clearly a problem about misunderstanding beauty, but like any wrong emphasis on beauty, any me focused message is going to be a problem, which is where like what you're saying and what I said in the book come together. Both would be me focused. And I think it's so interesting that, and I think I have this correctly, but the bronze basin for the tabernacle was made of melted down mirrors donated Mm -hmm. by the women of Israel. Interesting. I'm going to look that up. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think it's in either Exodus or Leviticus, the books we struggle with so much. They have so much goodness in there. So the mirrors, you know, and I've heard of this craft before, you know, the mirror with your beautiful daughter Mm -hmm. of God or whatever on it, literally at a women's Christian event, having them look more at themselves as a solution instead of look to the Lord who will affirm to you your value by you affirming his. And if we look and in scripture at this example, like why melted down bronze mirrors, no more looking at yourself. Instead, let's melt these down to make a vessel for you to be cleansed and walk in relationship with the Holy God. Yeah. That's what was happening. And that's, to me, that's so profound because it's like God saying, you don't need to look more at yourself. Mm -hmm. I just need you to come and be in communion with me. Yeah. That's really awesome. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. What I like to say is you have to tilt your mirror up. Like instead of, instead of staring into that mirror harder and longer until you, you know, find something you like about yourself or love about yourself, you know, you just tilt that mirror up because our job here is to reflect him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not to make the mirror happy. So yeah, that's really good. Well, as we kind of wind things up today, is there one piece of encouragement that you'd give to anyone listening today who's maybe struggling with how to, how to dig into the word during this sudden time of quarantine where she's got a lot of extra time or how to handle this. I mean, we already talked about trusting God, but any piece of advice you'd give to anyone listening today? I think those questions are both answered the same way, which Mm -hmm. is to pick a time, whether it's getting up 30 minutes earlier or staying up 30 minutes later or nap time or whatever, lunchtime, make a dedication to open the word of God, pick a book of the Bible to go through, get a notebook and spend the next three weeks actually opening the word of God and asking God to speak to you through it. Write down some notes, study it. Because knowing him through the word is what changes our fears. Knowing that he is powerful and good and present, that's what breaks the hold of fear and anxiety, especially in circumstances like these. So that would be where I would start because it's going to give you an actual time frame that you can expect and kind of get in a habit. We kind of need that when we have this much free time mm-hmm. and it will help you to really start doing the work of approaching the Lord. And he always shows up when we show up. 
Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's a hashtag quarantine goal I can get behind. (laughs) That's good. Well, Felicia, people can get your book, I'm sure, at all the usual places, although Amazon won't be delivering for a little while, but you can download it. It's called Stop Calling Me Beautiful, Finding Soul Deep Strength in a Skin Deep World. And I will put all the links to all your things in the show notes here. But can you just kind of give us a shout out of where we could find you if someone's not reading and only listening today? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer. Felicia is with a P-H-Y. My Facebook is the same name and my website is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. Awesome. And again, I'll have all that in the show notes. So no spelling required if you want to look it up there. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for taking time out of your quarantine to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. And that's all for today's Compared to Who show. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.